I want to give you biblical principles today of how that you can see change in your life in 2019. These are principles that I live by, try to live by. I'm not perfect. I don't know anybody who is perfect. I only met one. His name is my wife. Sorry, honey. Yeah, I forgot. She told me she's perfect. But Jesus too. Hallelujah. And um, and so, but I'm 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 always reminding myself of these principles so that I'm able to achieve the things that I'm believing God for. So I want to share them with you today. Let's look at Joel. Joel, chapter three, verse fourteen, says this: Multitudes, multitudes, in the valley of decision. Everybody say decision. For the day of the Lord is near, where? In the valley of what? Decision. Decision. I truly believe that the faster you are in making a decision about where you're at and where you want to be, the faster your help comes. But it comes down to making the right decisions in your life. Decisions are going to be made all the time. Even when you think you're not making a decision, you just made a decision not to make a decision. And in that decision, trust me, you'll reap a harvest. I've just been living life long enough to know that's true. Right? So some of you make, make decisions that you, there were bad decisions. And things didn't turn out quite right or whatever. But your heart was innocent. You didn't know. It's called life. You learn. You grow. You get better. You, you just didn't know. Um, maybe somebody tried to warn you, but you thought, well, I need to find out for myself. And sure enough, you did. <laughs> and it was a hard lesson to learn. Or you might be learning it even now. But then there's, even, there's decisions that we made that we knew were wrong. Now, that's the one we'll preach. Amen, somebody. But we did it. We went ahead and did it anyways because at the time, it whatever it made us feel good. We we decided to do it because we wanted to prove to ourselves we could. I don't know what it, whatever, however that was, but it was a decision that was made. And then there's a harvest that you reap out of that. So the, all all along, and then there's great decisions you make, good decisions, and usually good quality decisions. Probably not the easiest decision, by the way, that you'll make. Sometimes that's the most difficult one because not everything else lines up. The mind doesn't really want to do it. The flesh doesn't want to do it. People around you may not like it, but you know you've heard the voice of God. Because I know that whatever you want for 2019, you're going to have to put your faith out there to believe God for it. And decisions are going to have to be made. But the truth is, is what, I'll ask the question, what are you believing God for this year? We can talk a whole lot about things we don't like and what we're against, but what are you for? What is it actually you got your faith on saying, I'm believing for this, that, and the other to come to pass in my life? Because the truth is, it's going to be by faith that you're going to see the new year and the new you come to pass in 2019. And I don't need a show of hands to know this to be true, that in fact, there were many disappointments. I've talked to people, I've counseled people, I've caught people in the hallways, I saw the posts on social media, and for a lot of people, there was disappointments in 2018. I'm thanking God, there may have been a few things that happened, but I th overall, I had a pretty good 2018, praise God. And I'm going to teach you why I had a pretty good 2018 in just a moment, but a lot of people have disappointments. And you've heard this before, but let me just remind you one more time by saying, a disappointment Appointment doesn't make it a missed appointment. Amen. 
So just because you were disappointed doesn't mean you missed the appointment of God. It just means you got to try a little bit harder. you got to start making the right decisions in your life. Maybe pray. Come on, somebody. Seek God's face a little more. I know what disappointment feels like. I've walked into some disappointment in my own life. And one of the things that my wife and I, probably one of the greatest disappointments that we thought was a disappointment, uh, and we thought was a missed appointment, to be honest with you, was in 1997, when we felt led to leave our job, our comfy life and ministry in Beloit, Wisconsin, to go start a church in Madison, Wisconsin. We felt that with all our hearts that God was calling us there, and um, we got some confirmation, we waited our turn, we got released, come on somebody. Some are sent and some just went. You got to be sent. Come on, somebody. So we got sent. We were, it was all properly done, prayed for, sent out, praise God. And we went to Madison. I mean, eyes big, heart big, a vision exploding, knowing what God put in our hearts to do. I mean, we went and we started in somebody's home. They're gracious enough to open their house to us. And then we went to a little school building because we weren't able to have our house anymore. And then we went from there to a little, um, I won't call a storefront, a little nicer than that, but a little building, a little building on the Beltline. If you know anything about Madison, Wisconsin, it was right there off the belt line, small location. We, we, we had everything going for us except for one thing. We didn't have any people. Now, I know when you build a church, the key is you got to have some people there because my wife can only hear me preach so many times just to her. Come on. <laughs> and so, and so uh, we, we preached and, and we were doing everything we could do. And we probably had about 30, 35 members. I shouldn't say nobody, but we had some people. But we just knew there was something in me that knew that there was something missing. And I, I, I was, we were working hard. One thing we've always done is worked hard. We know you gotta, you gotta put some effort into things. And, and it can't just be all about prayer and study. You gotta, you gotta, come on, you gotta put some sweat into some stuff. And we did that. We did all that we could and prayed and, and believed and got people together and knocked on doors and remember passed out flyers and, and did all that stuff. And I passed out thousands of flyers. Nobody showed up. Put an ad in the paper. Only one phone call. I put in there uh, the name of our church, and I put, we are, our, this was back in the day, but this is kind of popular. We are a cutting-edge ministry, and they spelt it wrong, and said, we are a cutting-head ministry. <laughs> I got one phone call. Guy said, you might want to change that in the paper. It says cutting-head. Click. <laughs> I mean, we couldn't draw nobody. Come on, somebody. And so here we are, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying this is not right. Some, why would you call me out here, and you didn't give me favor to, to get people to show up so I can preach to them. And Lord, we're doing everything we can. And I mean, I'm having it out with God. And maybe you've never had that before. But I don't know if you've ever felt like God told you to do something, but he ain't backing you what he told you to do. It didn't get easier. It, get way, it got way harder. Kind of like the children of Israel. Come on, somebody. We're taught, called to go out into the promised land, but it didn't get easier from Pharaoh. It got harder from Pharaoh. But God called him to do it anyways. So I'm out there saying, Lord, I don't know what to do. And I mean, I'm about ready to pull my hair out. I'm God, I'm doing everything I can do. And at that point, everything I touched worked. And I'm being braggadocious. I'm just telling you, I was blessed. Everything I did just seemed to work. It was the first time, come on, Wonder Boy here, couldn't make it happen on his own. And so I'm, I'm asking God, what can I do? And my, our friends... Our friends, uh, one night, was real frustrated. We went to their house for dinner, and they said, yeah, we're leaving tomorrow to go to Florida. And I said, I'm going with you. I said, we're going with you. They laughed, ha, ha, ha. I said, no, for real, we are going with you. My wife started laughing, sure we are. I said, pack the bags. We're leaving. We packed our bags that night, and um, uh, I got somebody to take the church for a couple weeks, and we took off to Florida. 
Now, nobody does that. Literally, we did all the laundry all night long, and we raced all night just to get in the car to drive to Florida. I was like, I got to get, I got to go see Mickey Mouse. I got to see Goofy. I got to get out of the stress. Come on, how many know I'm talking about? I need fantasy world for a while. So, get in the car, we go there, and the kids are enjoying themselves. Everybody's enjoying themselves, having a good time, and I'm still feeling the pressure. I'm still somewhat stressed out because I know that when I get back home, I've got, I've got some things I've got to deal with. I'm embarrassed. I feel humiliated. I feel like nothing's working for me. What else can I do, God? Why would you send me out here when I was in a great place where everybody loved me and I was doing a great work and I was comfortable? And I was comfortable? Come on, somebody. And now you put me out here to die? This ain't right, God. So I remember I'm praying, and everybody's asleep in the van. We went to one of the theme parks, and we're driving, and everybody's tired. And, and so I'm driving, and as I'm driving and praying, the Spirit of God comes in that van. I'm so excited because I feel his presence, and I love his presence. And I felt the Spirit. I'm like, oh, man, he's coming to console me, man. He's coming to tell me everything's going to be all right. I love you, my child. You're going to build a mega church. Everything's going to be great. Everything your greatest desires are, are going to come to pass. You are my chosen, beloved. Instead, I heard these words, you are a double-minded man. You are unstable in all your ways. Let not that man think that he can ever receive anything from the Lord. I said, oh, my God. I mean, I shuddered. He said, now go back and do what I called you to do. I said, it ain't fair. I go back, it's going to be the same old stuff because unless you bless it, how is it going to work? He said, just do it. Don't be double-minded. So we go back, and we start putting our nose to the grindstone, doing what we can. I said, no more this wishy-washy. We're in it. We're going to do this as we're going to do. And I mean, I put, my, I put everything into this thing. No more wondering what it would be like to leave it. I'm talking to at least two or three people here this morning. No more wondering about how are we going to make the change in case it don't work, and how, how am I going to go about my business? He said, just do it. Don't be double-minded. So we went back, and the church began to grow very modestly, but it began to grow. And so we had a little building that sat maybe about 60 people or so, 65 people. I had a little, um, a little platform about this high off the ground and a, a, a pulpit. And we had four little offices off the, this little sanctuary there. And then we had a little um, uh, spot for the kids. It was, um, it was in the basement, really nice. We made it nice for the kids in the, ba in the basement. But I was, I, it was a great day. And everybody was there, and we had visitors there, and I was excited, and, and, and I was pumped, and I was like, I'm going to go put my Bible, after I preach, I'm going to put my Bible uh, away and, in the office, I'm going to come back out, and I'm going to go greet the people. So I, I got done preaching, it was great, it was hype, I went into my office, and I went to set my Bible down, and when I set my Bible down, the presence of God fell on me, and you know, it's different, because when that happened, I began to cry, but I didn't even know what I was crying about. I began to tremble. The power of God was on me. I, I shut my door. I, I, I sat down on my, on my desk, and I'm just weeping, and tears are dropping off my cheeks onto, the, onto my Bible on the desk, and I'm saying, Lord, what, Lord, what? And all of a sudden, I had a vision. Now, I don't have visions all the time, but I had a vision, one that I will never forget the rest of my life. And all I saw was a cloud. And out from the cloud were extended arms of all different ethnicities. And they were motioning to me like this. And I heard voices. I heard voices, y'all. I heard voices in the cloud that said, please come. We need you here. Please come. We need you here. And the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, I want you to leave this place, and I want you to go to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. That's what he told me while I was in Madison. 
We left, and the rest is history. Now, what I felt was nothing but a failure. The devil was making me feel like I was nothing more than a, just a big failure. But what I learned in the Madison experience was that if God before you, who can be against you? And if God tells you to do something, he's got something he wants to equip you with that you ain't got right now. But, baby, you just got to stay in the race. Don't give up. No matter what it looks like. And he taught me, you're not a failure. You're just in transition. That's why they thought Jesus was a failure on the cross. Why? Because it looked like he had died. But the Lord knew, God knew, he was going to be raised three days later. He was only transitioning from a king to king of kings, from a lord to lord of lords and savior of all mankind. Come on! Let your disappointment become a missed appointment. It just didn't turn out the way I thought, but that's okay. Look what he gave me instead. That's the whole point of what I'm trying to tell you. You've got to make decisions, and there are key decisions that you have to make in 2019, and the number one decision, and I especially learned it there, number one is you've got to make the decision that your words matter. And I've been preaching on this. You can get it online if you want, the, the whole message. But let me just say a few things about this. Your words matter more than anybody else's words. Who cares if they said you can't do it, if they said you're unable, if they said you're unqualified. If God told you you can, what you've got to do is line up your words with God's words and speak God's words. And don't be a double-minded man. Unstable in all his ways. Let not that man think that he'll ever receive anything from the Lord. Your receiver is broken when you're double-minded. And one way to know you're double-minded is when you're speaking contrary to what God has promised you. I want us to look at James chapter 3 very quickly, verse 4. Look at the ships. Although they are so large... And driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot or captain desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a force a little fire kindles. And the tongue, everybody say tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. That's why you need the Holy Ghost. I said that's why you need the Holy Ghost. It is unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Listen to this. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. He's rebuking us. He's saying that we say good, and then we speak evil. We say we bless God, and we curse our brother. And what he's trying to draw in this picture here, he's saying, your life is like a ship on its way to a destination. God has charted the course. But the problem is, you're always saying, God fixed this and God fixed that. God will work with you. But the truth is, he's given you power. Life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat the fruit thereof. Therefore, he said, your tongue is like the rudder of a ship. 
though it be small, is giving direction to the ship toward the destination it desires. Whoever you desire your life to be, it's going to start with the words that come out of your mouth. Come on, church. When God wanted to create the world, what did he do? He spoke it into existence. He spoke. And the Bible says that we are made in his image. That means we're to function like him. Like him. You're not God. But he lives inside of you. And he created you to function just like himself. Now, I didn't tell this in the first service, but I just feel led to do it right now. I've done it many times before. But y'all, the story gets better and better every time. Hallelujah. Back in the old days, we ended up going to a show in, in, uh, in the, at the Palmer House in, in Chicago, Illinois. And we lived in Rockford. So it's about the same distance from here to there as it is from Rockford. They're about an hour and 20 minutes, hour and a half, something like that. And so uh, we drove the car uh, to go see the show. And um, on the way there, I could tell the car was missing. It was spitting and sputtering. And I looked down, and it said that it was hot. It was getting hot. Well, by the time we got to the Palmer house to pull in, I could tell this thing was about ready to overheat, right? So we pull in. The guy sees the, car, the steam coming out of the front of the car, and he's waving for us to get, get off to the side. And I said, oh, man, the car's over here. He said, well, just park over here for now. So he let us park it in the garage, but like right up against the wall. And, and he said, you're going to have to deal with this. I said, yeah, absolutely. So we go in. The tickets were expensive. So we go in, and we go see the show. No, about the halfway point, I'm, I'm, the whole time I'm thinking, how am I going to fix this car? Guys, this is before cell phones. And we were young and had no credit cards, come on, and no money. Come on. That's stupid to go to Chicago with no money, but we had no money. So I'm like, what are we going to do? I'm thinking about myself. I couldn't even enjoy it. So at intermission, I said, we better go. So we left to go deal with the car. So we get to the car, and I, I, the guy says, you got to get that car out of here. I said, I know. So it did start, and I pulled it off to the side, right off the street. Now, it's a little bit of a seedy area there in Chicago. Now, my wife... Uh, was I was completely backslidden, completely away from God, not coming back to God. But my wife had got radically born again. And so now she's getting filled with the Word of God. And she's starting to learn this faith stuff about, you know, you can call those things that be not as though they were. And, you know, you can speak to the mountain. The mountain's got to move. And, you know, if you ask whatever you ask the, the Father in the name of Jesus, it will be done for you. Two or more gathered, you know, the whole thing, right? A touch and agree and anything, it'll come to pass. So she's got that all up in her. I got, oh no, what are we going to do? She got peace because she knows what she's going to have to do. I'm like, oh no, what are we going to do? So, so I, I, she would pull aside and go, I don't know what to do here. I'm going to go look. So I opened the hood. I opened the radiator cap. And sure enough, you could see all the way to the bottom of the radiator. How many know you're not supposed to be able to see all the way to the bottom? There should be something in there, usually green. Come on, somebody. So there was no antifreeze. And I noticed that the fan was broken on the car. The fan was an automatic one. So it wasn't working. So I knew we had a problem. And so I got too, I'm one of those guys, I'm too proud to ask anybody for help. So I'm thinking, what, you know, as so I get back to the car, and I told her what's going on. She goes, don't worry about it, baby. Don't worry about it, honey. All we're going to do is pray. I said, girl, you don't understand. We can pray to the cows come home. But there ain't no liquid inside the radiator. So I don't have to tell you. She said, we're going to pray. Don't worry about it. I've been learning this. God will come through for us. If we ask anything in his name, he'll do it. And I said, oh, I don't know about that. She said, just pray. She said, grab my hands. I said, I'm not grabbing your hands, man. She said, just grab my hands. Grab my hands. So I grabbed her hands. She goes, all right, we're going to pray. So she prayed, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, and I command this car. It's going to work right. It's going to work well. I don't care about that fluid or that liquid, Lord God. Your angels are going to come and fill this thing up, and we're going to get safely home, no problems. 
Now she said, now the Bible says we're supposed to touch and agree. Now say in the name of Jesus. I said, I'm not saying in the name of Jesus. Now I grew up in a Christian home. So that meant if I said in the name of Jesus, I'm going to have to owe God something. All you backsiders know exactly what I'm talking about. I want to owe God nothing. I come on my time. So, so she's, she's like, we got to say, I go, all right. And I said, I, I, I did a fake one in the, in the name of Jesus. All right, fine. She goes, I'll start the car. I said, all right. So I started the car. It started. She goes, all right, now we're going to start, we're going to go, we're going to start moving towards our direction. We're going to move towards our direction. She says, every time we get to a, a, a corner or a stoplight, we're going to say, thank you, Jesus. I said, okay. I'm thinking it ain't going to work anyways. So we get to the first stoplight. She goes, thank you, Jesus. I'm going, I'm not saying thank you, Jesus. She said, you better say thank you, Jesus. It don't work if you say that. I said, all right, thank you, Jesus. So now, now the God, you know the Lord is chuckling. Now he is all laughing. So now we're getting three or four blocks down. She said, say praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. I'm thinking at any moment. Now we're about a mile or so, a mile and a half. She said, say, say hallelujah. I said, hallelujah, like that. Now we're going all the way through town, and we're on the other side of Chicago, about a mile out. She said, say, praise God. I said, praise God. <laughs> now we're about five miles out. She said, say, hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. <laughs> By this time, I'm like, thank you. I'm like, this is pretty cool. I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to test this thing. So what I did was I downshifted that sucker. And there's a little Datsun. And I downshifted that thing. I'm going to make this. I'm going to make this thing scream. And I mean, I hit that thing down. That thing drove like a Porsche 911. I'm passing traffic at 85, 95 miles an hour down I-90. Come on. Heading to Rockford. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. That thing never ran so good ever up into the driveway. I'm just like, this is crazy. This thing should be happening. Pull up to the driveway, up to the door, and she's, we get out of the car. She goes, oh, honey, you better pull the car up to the front of the garage. And she goes, that because it might snow tomorrow. I said, yeah, you're right. So I jumped back into the car. I had to pull about maybe 50 feet. So I get in the car, start up, pull up, pull up to the front of the garage, and the thing, the car stopped. Went, and completely overheated. Number one, probably because the heathen got back in the car without the Christian. But number two, what she's always pointing out to me, she goes, think about that, Jeff. What could it possibly overheat on? There was no fluid left in it to go in the first place. The, the whole engine block should have fell out of the car. That's the power of your words. I don't care what kind of dilemma you got. God will take you out of a situation where it's impossible and against all odds and bring the impossible in your life and show people around you his power. And that's the truth. Isn't that the truth? It isn't always just about you and me. It's about the people in our lives. Let me make this statement. Faith-filled words are creative forces that bring into existence that which never existed before. I'm not talking about just your words. I'm talking about those ones that you believe with all of your heart bring it to pass in your life. When you want change, when you want that new you in 2019, when you want to move into your destiny, you've got to establish a new order in your life and a new order in your environment. In other words, you have to declare order in the chaos. 
That's what God did when there was darkness and the earth was without form and void and the Spirit of God was hovering upon the face of the deep. What did he do? He spoke to the darkness what he wanted it to become and he said light be anybody can talk about the chaos anybody can talk about the breakdown anybody can talk about the darkness God's looking for talkers that have faith filled words that say this is what you're gonna this is who you are this is what you're going to be declaring order in the chaos and by the way order produces outcome Anything that's out of order doesn't work. So when they put the, the, the out of order sign on the pop machine, what is it saying? It's saying that you can put all the, used to be quarters, now it's dollar bills and credit cards just to buy one Coke. Someone say amen. And I don't care how many numbers you throw at it and how many bills you put in it. If it's out of order, it won't and can't work. So God's going to bring things back in order into our life, and it starts with the way you talk. Job 22, 28, you will also decree or declare a thing, speak a thing, and it will be established for you so light will shine on your ways. When you speak the desired end of a thing, it shines light in the darkness, but it does something else called it becomes established. Everybody say established. The word established means cause to be recognized. Touch your neighbor and say, you better recognize. Take a picture. I'm not going to be the same person in 2019 as I was in 2018. Things are changing in my life. Recognize that. It also means, established means to be accepted. So it doesn't matter if people don't accept you right now. Just keep speaking and declaring those words of faith. They'll have to accept it in the end. It also means to be set into a secure position. That speaks to me. Because that means once it comes to pass, it can never be taken out of position again. <sighs> when I speak, my words are established. Job 22, 29. And when they cast you down, because guess what, church? They're going to do it. I love people, but you know what? You can't always trust people to say the right things or to do the right things in your life. So when they cast you down, what do you do? He said, you better speak something. What do you say when they bring you down? He said, you say exaltation or promotion will come. And when you speak those words of faith in the face of the circumstance that's trying to bring you down, then he will save the humble person and he will deliver the one who is not innocent. Yes, he'll be delivered by the purity of his hands. I love that because even if I'm found guilty by someone else and rightfully so guilty, come on somebody, if I speak words of faith, now how is that possible that comes to pass? Think about your salvation. Were you not guilty in your sin? Yet the Bible says, one believes unto righteousness with the heart. But watch this. Confession is made unto salvation. So when you believe in the Lord Jesus and you speak those words, what happens? He forgives you of your sin. And a new you emerges. Hallelujah. Number two, make a decision to expect something good to happen to you. Why is it that we're trained to always think the rug is going to be pulled out from under our feet. Why is it always we're trained? You know, I've been like that in my life. That when something good happens, I better enjoy it real quick because something bad probably going to follow it 
And i got to make sure that I enjoy this because anything bad could happen at any moment from now. Why isn't that we just can't get a revelation that God wants to bring something good into our life? It's only when you're expectant that you find doors of opportunity will begin to open for you. That's throughout the scriptures. Expectancy, this is not my phrase. This comes from Rod Parsley, but I adopted it. It's like my mind because I say it all the time. Expectancy is the breeding ground for miracles. It's just like a mother. When she's pregnant, what do they say? She is an expectant mother. She can't prove of that baby yet because the baby's inside of her. But she knows that she's going through these changes and, and she, she feels the, her body um, beginning to, uh, to begin to prepare for the birth and, and the baby begins to move in her womb. And now she's got the baby in her, but she can't prove to the world yet the existence of the baby. But if she'll just hang on and not give up, and understand that her expectancy will manifest itself. And by the way, many of you are pregnant with a promise from God right now in your spirit. And this is the year. Don't give up. <laughs> Psalm 62.5, my soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. I don't have to fight you. My expectation is from you. I'm not trying to get anything from you to better my life. But I wait on God alone because my expectancy is found in him. So I'll shut my mouth. I'm not going to open my mouth when I shouldn't. I'm going to be quiet, come on, and recognize that God alone is my source. Psalms 130 verse 5. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I do hope. Everybody say hope, please. Hope. It's the same word for expectancy. And hope deferred makes the heart sick. And when your heart is sick, what that means, when you don't have hope and your heart is sick, it means it takes the fight out of you. And I said this in first service. Church, I don't know what you're thinking, but you got to get in line with the Word of God. You are in a battle right now, whether you want to believe it or not. When you study the New Testament, everything you got to put on the armor of God. Why? To fight. You got to serve the Spirit. What is what? The Word of God. It's the sword of your spirit. Uh, it talks about fighting the good fight of faith as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, that we are in a battle or in warfare. Come on. But we fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. In other words, on and on and on, it tells Tells us, get prepared for war. Then why do we think it's crazy when the attacks come? We should have been ready for the attacks when they came. But all of us have been taken by surprise sometimes. Thank God he'll still work with us. But if you ain't got hope, if you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, it's hard to get up and fight the devil. It's hard to pay those bills. It's hard to take care of them kids. When you don't have hope, everything is lost. And church, you have to remember, especially when you're down, God is working good things out in your favor. I know it doesn't seem like it. I know that you've been hurt. I know the disappointment. I know you felt like a failure. But just don't make fail yours. Don't do it. Don't accept that in your life. Romans 8, 28, and we know, we know, and we know, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. How many lovers of God do we have in the house today? Then all things. 
every painful thing I went through, I thank God, not for it, but because of it and through it, I'm a better son. I'm a better father. I'm a better pastor. I'm a better leader. All the things I need. He used those trials, those, those tribulations, those tough times in my life to make me a better human being and a son after his own heart. And he said, to those who are called according to his purpose. That tells me that if you've got purpose from God, he loves you, but also know that there are things that are going to come up in your life. You've got to understand and know that those things will work together for your good. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. Abraham could have lost hope. And we could talk about this all day. Abraham was a, was a, a, a man who was had filled with expectancy. In his old age, he was promised a son. His wife, a, a, a son in her old age. And yet it took 15 to 17 more years before that word came into fruition. And the son was actually born. He could have given it up. He could have let it just say, it's never going to happen. And there are times where I'm sure it happened. And we know there's some proof that he probably got very close to letting it go. But he didn't. He, hang on, he hung on to it. And he became the father of faith. You've got to get your focus right. If God gives you a word, stick to it. I know it's tough sometimes. But stay on it. You can't look in the rearview mirror and out the windshield at the same time. You're going to have to choose what's going to be your focus. Is it going to be what's behind you or what's in front of you? Because I'm a firm believer that people, you know why most people go back to the way things were? Because it's easy to go back. Anybody can trace their steps. But if you're going to walk by faith, that means there's no steps to trace. You just got to follow God and believe God every step of the way. And he'll show you your promised land. Amen, somebody. Everybody say, it takes guts. Say, it takes risk. It takes fortitude to walk by faith. Amen. Jesus said, any man looking back, he's not fit for the kingdom. Keep your eyes and your focus on your desired destination and then learn to nurture your expectancies. Learn to nurture during those tough times what you're believing God, the new possibilities. Jesus asked this question to his disciples. Remember he said, he said they're going across the field, and he says, what do you guys see? Now, it was springtime, and the, the, obviously the ground had just been seeded, tilled and seeded. And they said, well, we, we, see, we, see, we see a seeded farmland here. And Jesus said, what did he say? He said, lift up your eyes. What does that mean? Look again. Look at it. You're looking at it in the natural. Now, look correctly in the spirit. He said, for the harvest is already white. It's already ready. Well, now, he says, some say three or four more months. In other words, I know what it looks like, the circumstance. What he's saying to us is, keep your eye on the prize. I know it's seed time right now, but you can't focus on that. You already seeded that. What you've got to focus now is on the future. Focus on where you're going. Focus on your harvest. Again, let me ask the question, what are you believing God for in 2019? Well, he knows. No. He goes by the blind man. He says, what would you have me do for you? My sight, Lord. Everybody in town knew he was blind. That was his first name. Blind Bartimaeus. Everybody knew. Jesus knew. But he had to say it. He had to speak it. He had to declare it so it could be established and be specific. In what? His sight. Woo. 
I'm getting hungry. I'm preaching hard now, praise God. Number three, that leads me to the next decision that you'll have to make for the new you in 2019. You must decide to see, visualize your destiny. Don't you dare think this is Tony Robbins. Don't think it's some Eastern Mississippi. They all got it right out of the book. It's right out of the Bible. Proverbs 29 and 18 says, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. They go every which way. But happy is he who keeps the word of the law. Where there is no revelation, where there is no revelation, that means sight, vision. Where there's no vision, sight. Another word for revelation, which is very intriguing to me, is that revelation means light and darkness. So we turn the lights off in this room, it gets pretty dark. There's no outside light. But the moment a light gets turned on, it disperses the darkness, dispels the darkness, and you can see where you were groping before and wasn't sure. Now in fear, because you don't know how to get out, now all that goes away because you can see what you couldn't see before. Are you in need of revelation of your future? The first way to get revelation of your future is always found in the Word of God. I can give you a prophetic word, and we flow in the prophetic here, and we can do that if the Lord stirs it up. But the Bible says that there's a more sure foundation, and that's the Scriptures. So his written word can speak to all of us right where we're at. And I'll show you in just a moment how that works. And let me say this, Psalms 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. When I was believing God as a church, we were, we were every, single, every single week we were um, speaking. We had a confession as a church, and we spoke about the building we wanted. Now, we were about two and a half years old, and we felt led that God was giving us, going to give us a building. We felt strongly about that, so we began to confess it. What are we doing? We're preparing our hearts. We're filling the atmosphere with God's Word. We're all speaking in one accord. Uh, the Bible says uh, in the book of Numbers, as you have spoken in my hearing, God said, so will I do unto you. So we're speaking his word and what we desired into his ears. And so now we're speaking it. It, it, it brings to us what we need. I know that. So we, we begin to speak that. I drove by, I'm not going to give you all, all details, but I drove by this building. And when I saw the for sale sign on the building, I said, oh, my God, that'd be perfect for us. So I, 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 I hid that in my heart. Then I went and told the people about it. Most, most of you know that story. It's kind of funny how that all happened. But after all the aftermath of telling everybody, and we didn't have a dime in the bank. We're not even three years old as a church, which means the bank won't even look at us yet. We don't have enough on the books. All these, we had, we had no possible way of purchasing the building, right? So all we could do was believe and speak God's word. And I said, Lord, help me because I need light here because I can't see how I want to do this. And I can say, I believe it. Okay, fine. But I need to see it. I need to, how is this going to happen? And I know your word is filled with revelation. Your word is a lamp unto my feet, the light of my path. I need, what are you saying to me in your word? And he tells me to turn to Mark chapter number 11. And this is what it says. And he said to them, go into the village opposite you. He said, you're going into a place that's opposing you. You can't do it without me. And as soon as you've entered it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has sat. He said, son, the colt here represents provision. And it's provision for me. You can't get it. It's opposing you. It, you don't own it. He said, but that's the building. That's what I want you to look at. The colt as being the building I want to use for my glory. 
He said, when you see it, loose it and bring it. Now, loose it is, is uh, we can study that all day, but it's like, it's, it's about prayer. We, we bind and we loose. It's entangled and it needs to be loosed in the spirit. He said, and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it. And immediately he sent, he sent it here. So they went their way and found the colt tied by the door outside the street, just like Jesus said. And they loosed it, just like Jesus said. They don't own this colt, but they did it. But some of those who stood there said to them, why are you doing? What are you doing, rather? What are you doing? Loosing the colt. People aren't going to understand what you're trying to do. And they're going to question your motive. And they spoke to them. Uh, and they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded, so they let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it and sat on it and spread their clothes on the road and others cut leafy branches down and so on. And they cried, Hosanna, bless us, he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, the Lord said, son, that's your answer. That's your building right there. Now, notice God did not tell me to turn to first hesitations or Hezekiah <laughs> and go in there. And I thought, oh, here's the verse. It says, Jeff Pruitt will own 4901 South Howe Avenue, and they will call it Faith Builders, and it will be their building in the year 2002. He didn't do that. He sent me to scripture that was a representation of my need. See, that's how God speaks to us. And he told me the cult was the provision, but the provision wasn't for Jeff Pruitt. The provision was for him. My job was to get the cult loose, find the cult, loose the cult, bring it to him. He got on the cult. Just like when we got this building, we dedicated to him. He came in the building. Come on, somebody. And others came out, cried, and praised him. Hosanna in the high. I saw that so clear. And God spoke to me. He said, son, when I got that scripture, he said, I'm going to give you the building for a steal. I said, say what? He said, isn't that right there in the word? And I looked back in there. And I said, wait a second. They took a cult that did not belong to them. In my book, that's called stealing. But when the Lord has need of it, come on, somebody. And we bought this building for pennies on the dollar, y'all. Come on. We had no credit. We had no money in the bank. But we had a God in heaven that was looking for somebody to have faith. And vision. To see it. That's what he told Abraham. Here's the sand. How many of the sand on the ground? I can't number them. He said, so shall your descendants be. He didn't have one son yet as an old man. Looked up in the stars. How many stars? I can't count them stars. So shall your descendants be. He was beginning to get him to have a visual. Every time he walked in the sand, he said, that's what God promised me. Every time he looked up in the stars, that's what God promised me. God wants you to be able to see it before you can have it in your life. Okay, number four, make a decision to have and listen to your pastor in your life. I am a firm believer that everybody needs a pastor. I need one, and I have them, and you need one. We all need somebody that, we can, that can speak into our life. Well, pastors blow it all the time. Trust me, I know because I deal with them. And they are. They're human beings. They make mistakes. And that's true. But here's what I always say. Follow me as I follow Christ. If I don't follow Christ, you have no obligation to follow me. But the truth is, the truth is, God does give gifts to men. And I'll say this. Learn from those who have fallen a few times and know how to get back up. 
I'm the first one to say I make mistakes, y'all. I don't always do the right thing. And, but, I, man, my heart is to do what's right. But can I say one thing, though? I don't think it's too hard for a preacher to keep his pants zipped up. I don't think that's too much to ask. I know that's a lot on Sunday morning, and our visitor goes, what? Well, guess what? Welcome to Faith Builders. Call it out the way that it is. I've been married to this woman for 32 years, been with her for 35 years. I've never had any other woman on the side. Praise you, Jesus. And, and, and I made up my mind, amen, years ago as a young man. I, there's mistakes, yes, but there are some things that need to be a little bit more. You need to find out what you're really called to do in life. Now, let me just say this. <clears throat> and by the way, God does restore, and I believe in all that. I want to follow somebody that's got a few scars, man. I'm not interested in saying following somebody that's perfect, that never says nothing, they, they've never had a problem in their life. I mean, I just can't even trust something like that. Because I don't believe in that. I know everybody falters. Everybody falls. I'm just looking for you to be honest and tell me, how did you get out of it? How did you overcome? And see, I can trust that. A, a true mentor has a few scars on them. But they, but they have a relationship with God that has healed them all. Somebody say amen. I see the time. I'm going to stop right there. Did you all enjoy that word? Did you all enjoy I, 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 I need to. I need to stop, and I'm sorry. I'll, I'll pick up later. I'm here to tell you guys, 2019 is going to be amazing. He did tell me, and I told you, I prophesied this already, it will be an incredible year. The tide's going to rise. We're going to rise with the tide so we can get to where we couldn't go, higher than we couldn't go before. But also the tide is going to stir what's on the bottom up, and it will begin to expose what's been lurking beneath. So we should not be freaked out about stuff that gets exposed. And someone said, man, I, I don't like the exposure part. I, I'm scared. I didn't say it had to be public exposure. God forbid that he would expose things to you in private so that you can deal with those issues and get them under the blood and walk with him. I, I'm still a holiness preacher. I believe in living right. Not perfect, but right. Living under the blood. Don't make excuses for your sin. You know, that's the, that's the, to me, that's dangerous. Say, I blew it. I messed up. Jesus, forgive me. I don't want to walk like that no more. And he will. He's wonderful. And getting things right and then seeing God do tremendous Beautiful things in our lives. Amen.